Hey, Retrospectors, for our third birthday, we've filmed an hour-long Q&A answering your questions. We discuss our favourite facts, how we make the show, and what we've learned along the way. If you're already supporting us on Patreon, thank you. You can watch it right now at patreon.com slash retrospectors. And if you're not a Patreon member, sign up. You don't have to pay a thing to become a free member and watch it now. So check it out. It's free. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. It's January 15th, 2001, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. Over the years, Wikipedia has published plenty of erroneous information, including, for example, entries that said Robbie Williams ate domestic pets in pubs for money, uh, Tony Blair worshipped Hitler, Charlie Sheen was half man and half cocaine. That one may be a bit true. And the first law of thermodynamics apparently being do not talk about thermodynamics. But one piece of information that's almost definitely true that you can find on the site to this day is that the day that Wikipedia launched with the cheery words, hello world world was today in history back in 2001 yeah now this is the launch of wikipedia.com as it was then interestingly not wikipedia.org but the company that it arose from newpedia was still the main play at this point wikipedia was jimmy wells's weird little offshoot of newpedia which he thought was going to be the big online encyclopedia that he'd been working on for a while Yeah, so in the mid-90s, Jimmy Wales and two of his partners had launched a service called BOMIS. It was one of those web portals which acted as the gateway to the internet in the early years. And its USP, compared to the likes of AOL, etc., was that it was primarily aimed at men. So when you open the homepage, you see stuff about cars and sport and softcore, or for premium subscribers, less softcore pornography. It was nicknamed the Playboy Mm. of the Internet, a really unusual launch pad for what would eventually become the Wikipedia we know today. Yeah, because at the time you had this concurrent effort from a few different angles of various people trying to find ways to categorise the potentially endless body of knowledge on the web. And so you had, on the one hand, the big battle between Google and their algorithmic-based search and Yahoo, which tried to categorise things. And Bomus had this new idea, which was that you'd create these things that they called a web ring. And they were basically a series of links around a topic that people could then consult and find out more information about whatever that thing was. And that was what led them into this sort of softcore porn area because some of the things like information about Jupiter just didn't really sell to their target audience where Pamela Anderson really, really did. I mean, Wikipedia seems really obvious now, but in 2001, the concept that 
thousands of people around the world would devote their time and energy for nothing into bettering human understanding across every possible conceivable topic. That seemed less likely than you'd read some public service information if it was served up al- alongside some soft core pornography, actually, didn't it? <laughs> the vision for Newpedia as it started was about providing an encyclopedia online that was actually even more academic than Britannica. Britannica was the big brand name, obviously, in, in old-fashioned codex hard paper encyclopedias. And Larry Sanger, who was um, Jimmy Wales's co-investor in Newpedia, believed that if they were going to do an online encyclopedia, then... They need to go the extra mile. You know, mm. the, the, it couldn't just be as flaky as Britannica. Yeah. <laughs> it needed to have a seven-stage editorial process of experts all collaborating before it was published. Yes, yeah, so CD-ROM encyclopedias had been on sale since the mid-90s. We had Compton's Encyclopedia. We had Encarta. Yeah, yeah, oh, everyone yeah. had one. I watched the Hindenburg disaster so many times. <laughs> <laughs> the humanity! <laughs> well, and obviously that combined with the increasing reach of the internet in the mainstream meant that the idea of combining the two to create an online encyclopedia that could be edited via the internet, that was a natural progression. The, the idea of first being floated in 1993 by a guy called Rick Gates, but it was this guy called Richard Stallman. He was a computer programmer and really early advocate of software freedom, you know, free to access software that anyone could use. Um, And in 1999, he wrote this essay about the idea of writing an online encyclopedia that the public could contribute to and, crucially, with no centralised authority, no peer review process that it would have to go to. This really prescient essay, I think it's incredible that he wrote this in 1999. So he wrote... The World Wide Web has the potential to develop into a universal encyclopedia covering all areas of knowledge. This outcome could happen without any special effort if no one interferes. But corporations are mobilising now to direct the future down a different track, one in which they control and restrict access to learning materials so as to extract money from people who want to learn. We cannot stop business from restricting the information it makes available. What we can do is provide an alternative. I mean, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because obviously the most stark change that Wikipedia brought about is that anyone could edit it. It's had over 300 million hours of volunteer time contributed to it, over a billion edits. It's the largest collaborative project in human history. But I'm not sure it's the reason that it's as big as it is. I suspect Mm. because such a minority of people are involved in the actual editing of articles, unless it happens to be the article about themselves. Mm. I suspect the reason really that it cut through was because it was free and it was not for profit. So advertisers couldn't put their sponsorships on it. Well, there's this really interesting theory about what cemented Wikipedia's place in the mainstream. It was in this book published for the 20th anniversary of Wikipedia. It suggests that 9-11 was actually the Hmm. catalyst because the thing that Wikipedia could do that encyclopedias couldn't do and that newspapers didn't do was that it could provide context for new things you know so if you imagine after 9-11 you want to know more about Osama bin Laden if you open a newspaper the article's going to be telling you what he's been doing what he's been doing just lately and Mm. a printed encyclopedia probably wouldn't include an entry on him because he wasn't globally famous until 9-11 so suddenly you had all of these current events and people were thinking well I don't know anything about that you know I don't know I didn't hear about that election in that country the kind of things that wouldn't be in a 
printed set in stone encyclopedia and by the end of October 2001 there were a hundred articles relating to 9-11 so it was this thirst for additional context to events and also the New York Times' website crashed uh, at the time when you know the buildings all came down I guess because of the huge amount of people wanting to find out information and simultaneously because the economy took a dive a lot of people then had a lot of time on their hands and so they weren't just interested in getting the news they were interested in contributing to it so it generated a whole lot of extra activity on Wikipedia and the site started building itself out and I suppose the more people that start contributing to it the greater the body of knowledge and the depth of knowledge on the site itself depth but also breadth right I mean that's the other thing it's not just that they didn't have an article about Osama bin Laden in Encyclopedia Britannica they wouldn't have had list of animals with a hymen which was one that someone (laughs) sent through to ask me this one day and we spent half an episode discussing I mean there's just such an incredible breadth of material Oh, it was fascinating to read a thing from Jimmy Wales talking about when they first sat down to pad out the site after going Hello World. And they were like, well, what do you start with? And apparently they started by listing the 50 states of the United States and then adding links and content. And then you'd just be like, well... Africa is a continent. We we better cover off Africa. Like you just have to like the the the, the monumental task at hand. Well, the first full entry was for philosophy and logic, which is a little tribute mm. to the way that Larry Sanger and Jimmy Wells met. Actually, which was that they befriended one another through an email group about philosophy, which is pretty sweet. But also, um, then in two thousand and two, uh, Sanger left under a bit of a cloud. He <laughs> he's since been a very vocal critic of Wikipedia, calling it mm. broken beyond repair. Specifically, he accused it of having a left-wing bias, and he no longer seems to believe in the open access, open edit model. He founded his own rival wiki called Citizendium. I assume that's how you're supposed to emphasise it, which technically still exists, although it does have only a few dozen active users left. I mean, it's been so interesting to watch the reputation of Wikipedia evolve over the years. I mean, I remember when it first became popular, you know, when I was at school, it was really, you know, teachers would warn you not to believe anything you read on Wikipedia, not to use it as a source. And now even even at a university level, if you're studying, say, you know, a particular branch of science and there's a particular element of it, Wikipedia is probably the first place you would go to at mm. least get a basic understanding the of the concept. Yeah. 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 And like, you know, it used to be a bit of a butt of a joke, wouldn't it? You know, people say, oh, you know, you probably read that on Wikipedia. And now that joke would just confuse people because they'd be like, well, yeah, I did read it on Wikipedia. What's wrong with that? <laughs> well, there's good reason for people to trust Wikipedia. In December 2005, Nature published a peer-reviewed report that suggested that in terms of accuracy, Wikipedia Wikipedia wasn't too far behind Encyclopedia Britannica. Plus, it's also so possible to see the uh, the holes or the disputes when you look at Wikipedia. You know, when you read a regular encyclopedia, you have to take it that that is the factual reporting of that particular topic. Whereas, you know, you read a Wikipedia article and it says this is disputed and citation mm. needed and so on. You can see where the gaps and the holes are. But Jimmy Wells is such an interesting character in terms of his optimism and his belief in in the essential goodness of most human beings. I mean, that is mm. the whole idea of the platform, isn't it? It only works on the assumption that most contributors are basically good. And that obviously has enormous fallibility, and that's obvious in this world now of bad actors on social media. But I was listening back to his Desert Island Discs, which was from 2015, and it ends with him saying, in the future, there will be less demonization of different ethnic groups and nationalities because it's hard to hate someone when you've collaborated with them online. 
Oh, and I was like, no, wow, that's not. so sweet. That's so naive. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. The internet's given us more silos, more echo chambers. You know, the yeah. year after he recorded this interview, you had Brexit and Trump. So it's kind of like, yeah, the facility is there for everyone to collaborate and learn more about each other. But also the facility is there for you to only read about the things that interest you. It's that kind of naivety that just really makes me hate Jimmy Wales. <laughs> <laughs> now, this episode first aired last year exclusively to members of Club Retrospectors. Join today and unlock a new episode this Sunday. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. <laughs>